Floorboards to shingles. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. We know you've got some holiday home improvement projects on your to-do list. We are here to help you get that job done. So pick up the phone and give us a call right now at 1-888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. Well, it's getting chilly out, so you might be thinking that colder weather means you get to slack off on your yard work. Not true. There are actually some things that you should be doing right now that if you tackle them, it's going to save you a lot of aggravation when it comes to the spring pruning and trimming that ultimately will need to be done. It'll make sure that those plants survive the cold winter temperature. We're going to tell you exactly what you need to do in just a bit. Plus, here is something that I know has got to drive you crazy because it drives Tom crazy and it drives me crazy. Do you hate when you're asked Every single time you buy something, hey, do you want to buy an extended warranty? Oh, and please. I bought a garbage disposer the other day, yeah. and somebody offered me an extended warranty on it. I was like, look, the last one lasted 15 years. Why do I need an extended <laughs> warranty? And I got offered one on a paper shredder. I'd forget I had it 15 years ago. I know. I'd throw away the paperwork. <laughs> well, we know they ask you this question, and they hound you for it and almost make you feel bad if you say no. So how do you know if you really need that extended warranty when, say, you're buying electronics? Well, the answer answer is, you know, I hate to say it, but maybe. So we're going to tell you how to sort it all out in just a bit. Plus, if you pick up the phone right now and call us with your home improvement question at one eight 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 money bet you might just win a great prize that can keep you safe all winter long. It's the first alert combo smoke detector and CO alarm worth 55 bucks. Going to go to one caller that reaches us with their home improvement question at one eight 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 money pit So let's get to it. Pick up the phone and call us right now at 888-666-3974. Leslie, who's first? Dominic in New York has a wallpaper question. What can we do for you today? Well, I, I have an older farmhouse, and I'm doing some remodeling, and one of the rooms has, like, a raised texture wallpaper. Okay. And I just want to know how is the best way to remove it without, you know, really ripping the walls up. Now, Dominic, prior to having just done this project, the way that I had always done it is score the paper, use a steamer, and then gradually loosen up the adhesive behind it with the steamer. But I just recently, while filming an episode of my new show for A&E, did wallpaper removal, same thing, score it lightly with the blade. Don't cut through so you're going all the way to the drywall behind it. But, you know, just score it so that you can get underneath it. Fabric okay. softener and water. Uh, liquid fabric softener? Yes, liquid fabric softener and water. Way more fabric softener than water. You're going to kind of want to experiment with the mix here. But slather it on there. Use even a paint roller to get it on there and get it underneath. And you'll see it softens everything. I mean, you're still going to have to sand once everything's dry underneath, like leftover adhesive and then prime. But it worked. I was shocked. Plus, when you're done, your walls smell lemony fresh. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Fabric All right, Dominic. And water. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. And in Missouri has a situation with a crawl space. What's going on? Oh, well, we built a house, and um, but it didn't get the cover space on before we got deluged with rain, and it was about eight inches of water under there. That's something pumped it out, um, but there's still some puddles around, and, and we're going to close it off. And I'm just wondering if there's some ways to dry that out. Yeah. What you're going to need to do um, is to get a fan in there, and you're going to want to take the fan and actually have it pull air out of the crawl space, even though that you don't have any other vents, which, by the way, is a mistake. 
but even though you don't have any other vents, you're going to find that air will pull. If you depressurize that space, air will be replenished through all the nooks and the crannies in the construction. So it'll pull air from upstairs. It'll find a way to pull air from the outside. And that will draw some air across that space and help to vent it. Uh, but I would recommend a couple other things. You mentioned you had a sump pump in there. I would also make sure that I look at the grading and the drainage situation at the foundation perimeter. Make sure that your gutters are clean, they're free-flowing, they're extended well away from the foundation, and that the soil slopes away from the foundation, because those two things will help you prevent this from happening again in the future. Okay. So that'll the fan will clean up the puddles that are kind of remaining around. Yeah, eventually, yes, eventually that will that will do it. And after it gets dried out, I would also put a vapor barrier down across the crawl space floor. If it's possible to get in there, I'd lay down some it large sheets plastic. of plastic. Oh, it does. It has okay. Plastic and gravel. Yeah, we just didn't. And it actually, this foundation is higher than the ground around it. Uh-huh. Just with the ten twelve pitch, the water just came right off the roof and funneled down into the house where we yeah. had the crawl space opening. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna have to do a better job at managing that roof water. Well, yeah, we just said weren't finished. And... Yep. All right. I appreciate that. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Well, this is the most exciting time of year for me. You guys know I love the holidays. I can hear those jingle bells ringing. So if you need any help getting your house in tip-top shape for the big holiday season, give us a call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I might be wrapping gifts or making a turkey, but I'll get back to you. So call us at 1-888-MONEYPIT. 888-666-3974. Up next, we're going to tell you why winter is not the time to be slacking off on doing some outdoor chores and what you should be doing right now to get your yard ready for spring. That's all coming up next. On the Money Pit Radio Show. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And you may not know that smoke detectors don't last forever. In fact, most fire officials recommend that you replace your smoke detectors once every 10 years. That's our prize this hour. We're going to help you do just that as we're giving away the first alert combo smoke detector and CO alarm. You get a smoke and carbon monoxide detector in one. It's worth 55 bucks. going to go to one caller chosen at random that reaches us at 1-888-MONEYPIT. Pick up the phone and give us a call, especially if you are thinking about yard work this time of year. Hmm, cold outside, winter time, don't have to do any yard work. I'm going to relax <laughs> on that one. Uh-uh. Sorry, Charlie. It is absolutely not true. Now, winter, it's actually the best time to prune your fruit trees and your rose bushes because this is the time before they start to bud. So when you're looking at all of those fruit trees, rose bushes that you've got around your yard, you want to remove any crossing canes, then thin out the branches and finish by spraying the plants with dormant oil. This will make sure that when springtime rolls around, your fruit trees, your rose bushes, they're going to look beautiful. You're going to get a lot of beautiful flowers, and your fruit trees will grow more delicious fruit than you have ever seen in your life. Don't hold me to it, but I promise you they'll grow back. 888-666-3974. Calls right now with your home improvement question. Let's get back to the phones. Neil in California is dealing with a tile floor that's cracking. Tell us about the problem. Well, I got a, uh, I've laid my tile floor on top of the, my foundation is all a cement slab. And uh, here, and you know, within a year of when I did some of the, t- uh, the tile, 
some of it's cracked, and then there's some that I've done oh longer than that, um, probably eight years ago, and some of that started cracking. Hmm. So I, I presume that the cement slab is settling, and I just want to see what you recommend. Well, you know, you're probably better off replacing the tiles. It's really not possible to do anything that, uh, in terms of a repair that's going to look halfway decent. You know, you could always try to silicone over the cracks or something of that nature. Are they separated, or is it just sort of hairline cracks? Uh, they're, they're more or less hairline cracks. Yeah, and, what's going to happen is they're going to catch dirt, and it's just not going to look good. So, mm -hmm. I mean, if you've got a cracked tile, I would just pop the tile up and replace it. Do you think you can find the original tiles? I still got some of them. Oh, oh well, good. good. Well, then that would be the way to do it. <laughs> that, was a, was that was a wise thing. All those years you've been saving those tiles, Neil, because you knew one of these days you were going to need pay them, off. right? I, I, I'm trying to do some uh, remodeling, and I was going to tile another section of my house. Uh, I wanted to have a uh, gazebo or whatever in the front of my house. Is, I want all windows, and I was going to tile that section, too, but I don't Maybe know. you better save I, those tiles for the repair of the existing floor and choose something new for the new section. Yeah, very possible. All right, okay. Neil. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. Heading out to Utah, where Emma needs some help with a roofing situation. What's going on? Yeah, um, my daughter bought a house. Okay. And it turns out it's going to be a bit of a fixer upper. So her shingles are flapping in the wind. Flapping in the breeze, huh? Yeah, <laughs> okay. and she wants to know what she could do to, so, so she won't lose any more than what So they she stay has. put. Yeah, very simple. What she's going to do is, is pick up some asphalt roof cement. It comes in a caulking tube. Uh-huh. And you're going to put a little dab of that underneath all of the loose edges of the shingles and press them down. Oh. And that will dry and it will seal them in place. And, you know, if they're getting to be older, she may have to do that from time to time. Now, if those break off, then you can actually buy replacement shingles and you can sort of extract the one shingle that's broken and slip in a new shingle, too, without uh, replacing the whole roof. So it's totally repairable and something that you could probably stay on top of. Okay, so much. thank you so much. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Now we're going to chat with Mike in North Carolina, who's got a question about a water heater. What's going on? Uh, I heard you. I hear you uh, talking about the uh, tankless water heater. Yes. And the efficiency about it and mm -hmm. everything like that. Uh, my question is, uh, what I have now, I have a, a, a water softening system. Okay. And uh, and I, I I don't know exactly where I heard it, but uh, I heard that uh, a water softening system was not compatible with that with this particular uh, tankless heater. No, that's actually it's actually opposite of that. Um, if you have hard water, the mineral deposits will clog the inside of a tankless unit. So the fact that uh, you have a water softener uh, protects you from that problem. So. Uh -huh. Uh, you can go ahead and install a tankless water heater and enjoy that efficiency and that unlimited demand uh, for hot water, that unlimited supply for hot water, I should say, uh, and be fine as long as you have a water softener. 
Uh, what would be the return of, uh, on the investment to this uh, tankless? You know, you're going to get a pretty decent return on investment. Now, mind you, tankless water heaters are a bit more expensive than traditional water heaters, but not that much if you compare them against the high-efficiency tank water heaters. Um, I love tankless technology. Uh, we've got a lot of great success stories to back that up. It's got a lot of advantages. Not only do you have an unlimited supply of hot water, uh, many of them have uh, remote controls so that you can actually adjust the water heater without actually being at the appliance itself. Very safe, especially if you have kids and you want to send them up to take their shower on their own. You can make the water a bit cooler for that and then uh, crank it back up to the normal temperature that you use when an adult takes uh, a bath or a shower. So I just think it's a great product. Uh, now that you have a water softener, you will have no worries about clogging, and I think it's a worthwhile investment. Okay, thank you. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Brenda in Colorado is dealing with an exterior siding situation. What's going on at your house? Hi. Um, we have a um, one-story ranch on a crawl space that was built in the 70s, and we want to replace the siding. And it has sheathing under it, under the siding that's like fiber board, but there was never any house wrap applied. And we're wondering if when we reside, um, should we add house wrap? And then also, how do we deal with the windows? Do we take the windows out and put the siding, uh, you know, there and then reinstall the windows? Or can we install the siding with the windows still in place? All right. Well, first of all, you don't have to pull your windows out. Okay. Um, what kind of siding do you have right now? It's a press fiberboard paneling. All right, so you want to take that out completely. And is there any sheathing underneath that? There is sheathing in most areas. All right, what what kind of siding, what kind of new siding do you want to put up? Well, we would like to put kind of what looks like clapboard, mm -hmm. made probably from similar material, kind of that uh, pressed. Well, composite. here's what I would recommend. Um, first of all, you are going to need sheathing, so the areas where you don't have sheathing, you can simply add that. Uh, you would put a, a vapor barrier around it. You would put a building wrap like Tyvek or a product like that. Then above that, a good product to, to install is Hardy Plank, which is actually a cement-based siding product, and it looks... Well, it can look like a shingle. It can mm -hmm. look like clapboard. It can look like clapboard. And it's totally indestructible. I mean, it's really good stuff. Excellent. Well, thank you. I really appreciate the... Uh information. You're welcome, Brenda, and good luck with that project. Send us some pictures. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. David in Florida has a question about tiles. I guess you want to recycle them? What's the project? I do. Well, inside my house, the only thing that's gas is the little fireplace they put in. You know, okay. The, mm -hmm. And so I've been trying to take it out, and I've taken all the screws out and everything, so it's still, it's still in there. Um, and so I'm thinking, well, I have to take the tile out around the outside of it in order to get the whole insert out. Okay. And since, since it is on sheetrock instead of the cement, I'm hoping there's a way I can take them off and reuse mm. them once I put in an entertainment center in there. Sure. And Do you care about the sheetrock? No. Okay. Um, here's uh, one thing that you could try. Uh, you could get a, a wire, like a piano wire. And you can work it behind the tile, and you want it, you're probably uh, going to have to you know tie some wood dowels on the end of the wire or something so you have something to really hold well, on to. Well, you know to. what? You could even at a craft store in the pottery section, uh -huh. like for people who throw pottery, right. there is a piece of like wire that has two dowels already, you know, attached to it so that you can trim the top of your pots and plates okay. and things that you're using. 
but essentially you're going to get this wire behind the tile and kind of work it across and try to separate it from the drywall. You'll end up damaging the drywall a bit, but you should be able to get the tiles off. Okay, and then just clean them off and reuse them. Yeah, exactly. Once you get them off, you know, then you can abrade the back and, you know, if there's a little glue on there, you may have to sand them a bit. And uh, when you go to put them back together, you know, just make sure that they're fairly consistent in thickness so that you don't get problems with that. Okay. All right. So that's what I'll do. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. Veronica in New Jersey needs some help with a cement overrun or spill, if you will. What happened? Uh, I had a major oil leak. And it required uh, a major cleanup to take out my front steps and my front sidewalk. And, and the company who did the cleanup had done the replacing of the, of the sidewalk and the front steps, and they did a terrible job. Specifically, my front steps or sidewalk is, is cement with slate surrounding the top, and then the steps are slate. Okay. okay. The top part that was cement, they spilled a lot of the cement onto the slate part hmm. and it, it just looks awful and it, it's i don't know how to get it off the slate i don't want to ruin the slate mm-hmm. but it it it's brand new and it looks like it's about 50 years old i mean it just did a terrible job essentially what you have to do is wear it off the slate you have to abrade it so it goes off the slate you're not going to be able to do anything that will loosen it up or wash it off as you would try to get you know a spill off of a floor it doesn't work that way uh it slate is very absorb uh, absorbent and so that concrete is, is probably really soaked into it, and it's very difficult to get it out. Now, you know, it's possible that there, you could try uh, an acid wash, but I'm concerned that that may adversely affect the slate. I can tell you that if you were to um, have it ground off, it could be abraded off, and slate is going to retain its color straight through, so it could sort of be ground and polished off. It's really not a do-it-yourself job. I mean, you need some heavy tools. If you try to do it with a hand grinder, uh, one of these abrasive pads that's on the bottom of a, sort of like an abrasive pad with a handle on it that masons use, you know, it's a lot of work. But if you have the right tools, you can grind that off, polish that slate, and it'll look fine. But it's nothing that you can definitely clean yourself, Veronica. So would that be a mason I would call? I mean, who would I call to do that? I think a mason could handle that for sure, absolutely. Okay. They would have the right tools for that. Excellent. Veronica, thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Hey, still ahead, we're going to share more tips on yard work that you need to take on this winter, including how to get your shrubs ready to survive this cold season. We're going to tell you everything you need to know when we interview this old house landscape expert, Roger Cook, next. On the Money Pit Radio Show, pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home by calling 888-MONEY-PIT. The Money Pit is brought to you by Thermatrue Doors, the nation's leading manufacturer of fiberglass entry and patio door systems. Install a new energy-efficient Thermatrue door today and qualify for up to a $1,500 tax credit. To learn more, visit thermatrue.com slash tax credit. 
Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Hey, you want to follow us on Facebook? Just text Fan the Money Pit to F Book. That's 32665 from your cell phone. You'll be instantly added as a fan to our fan page on Facebook. It's as easy as that. Tim in Delaware needs some help with an insulation question. What can we do for you? Well, I have a basement crawl space, and I want, what's the best way to insulate it? Right now, it's just nothing there. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a crawl space or a basement? It's actually a, um, a, a on one side. I have a full walk-in basement. Okay. And on the other side, there's actually a crawl space. So it's like a half-finished basement, but I can see looking okay. into the other side. It's like a crawl space. All right, in the crawl space area, you should insulate the floor from below. So if you have like two by eight floor joists, you should put uh, eight inch thick bats of fiberglass insulation in there and they can be held up with uh, insulation supports, which look like kind of small wires that sort of get springy in between the floor joists. I've seen seen those, okay. Right. Mm -hmm. That's the best way to insulate that. As far as the basement. There's some pipes down there. um, Not necessary. Not, generally not necessary to insulate up. the pipes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But insulating the floor is going to make you a lot more comfortable upstairs. I have oil heat, oil, like okay. steam heat, I guess. Right. Is that going to be okay? Sure, I don't see why not. Now, as far as the basement, uh, the only place you really need to insulate an unfinished basement is the box joist, which is above the wall all the way around. If you decide to put walls in, like finished walls, and you're going to frame them out, then you could put insulation in the framed walls. But other than that, um, you should just insulate the box joist right above the foundation. Now, I've seen a place where they've actually taken, like, um, plastic, and they've staple-gunned it between the joists after they put the um, insulation. Is that recommended or no? No. I would not do that because uh, if you're talking about the crawl space, the vapor barrier goes between the insulation and the living space, which means it would be above the insulation against the underside of the floor and up below it. All right. Because if you put it below it, you're going to trap moisture in that space. And you're going to reduce the R value. Exactly. Gotcha. Okay. All right, I think that'll do it for me. That's, not, that's all there is to it. There's nothing just besides that. That's nothing in nope. the trick they got to do. Nope, it's a good project and one you can get done in a weekend. Sounds great. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. Like it sounds like Tim wanted it to be more difficult. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's <laughs> oh. pretty straightforward. You want to be careful with the insulation. Obviously, you want to wear a dust mask and long sleeves and gloves and safety glasses. But insulation project is not that hard to do. And you know, some insulation products off. today. Um, they have a different sort of weave to them, so they're not really as stringy as the old-fashioned fiberglass used to be. They're more like a wool. Hmm. Encapsulated insulation, it's called. Interesting. Yep. Easy project and very cost-effective and a great return on investment. Well, winter can be rough on your outdoor shrubs and plants. Heck, it's rough on me. <laughs> so if you want to protect your landscaping, there are some steps that you can take. That's right. And here to tell us just what to do is our friends from Ask This Old House. Welcome Kevin O'Connor, host and landscaping expert, Roger Cook. These are two guys that know a thing or two about cold weather, right, Kev? You got that right. In New England and many parts of the country, we're used to long, cold winters. And while we may be able to survive the snow and ice, our landscaping shrubs may not. Roger, any tips on helping these plants make it through the long, hard, cold winter? There are two main problems in the wintertime, cold and snow load. Cold weather and strong winds can strip the shrubs of precious moisture. To prevent this, use burlap, 
anti-desiccant sprays, or a rose cone, especially on tender and newly planted material. To prevent damage from heavy snow loads, tie them up with jute or create a wooden shelter like an A-frame to protect the fragile branches. How about container plants? What do you recommend for getting them through the winter? Two things you can do with a container plant. You can either bring it into an unheated garage or dig a hole, put the container in it, and then put mulch or wood chips on top of it to insulate it from the cold. All right. So for more information and videos on overwintering plants and shrubs, visit us at thisoldhouse.com. It was only that easy for us to make it through the winter. (laughs) (laughs) Kevin O'Connor, Roger Cook, thanks for stopping by the Money Pit. Been our pleasure. Always good to be here, Tom. (laughs) Good tips, guys. Especially if you worked really hard to have a beautifully landscaped yard. You want to make sure that you preserve everything, your shrubs and your plants, so that they'll look good in the spring. Well, you can get more great yard care advice by watching Kevin and Roger on Ask This Old House, which is brought to you by GE. GE is a proud sponsor of Ask This Old House. GE, imagination at work. Well, still to come, if your holiday budget is feeling the crunch, we've got some advice on places to save. Oh, you mean like when, say, you're buying that electronics gift for your kids and the salesperson's like, hey, do you want the extended warranty? (laughs) Which is always the question that follows any sort of purchase that involves a plug or a battery. (laughs) So we're going to sort out when you should take one and when you should absolutely not when we come back. You live in a body pit. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Scretti. And you should give us a call at one 888 Pit. We know around this time of year, suddenly those home improvement to-do lists become very, very, very important when you've got a holiday as a deadline. And we have got a benefit for calling us with your home improvement question because one caller that we talked to on the air this hour wins the first alert combo smoke detector and CO alarm. Now, you are going to be protected from two of the deadliest dangers. It's worth $55. So give us a call now at 1-888-MONEYPIT for your chance to win. 888-666-3974. Now, we know you're out doing a lot of shopping these days. And uh, as you do that, are you getting hit with those pitches for extended warranties? And are you ever tempted to buy them? I mean, do you really need them? Or pressured to buy them. Or pressured to buy them because they've got huge commissions associated with them. So you're always going to be offered them. And while some repairs are covered by the standard manufacturer warranty that comes with the product, Consumer Reports data shows that stuff rarely breaks within the extended warranty window after that standard warranty has expired, but within the typical two to three years that follow purchase. So when you're buying electronics and appliances that do break, the repairs on average cost about the same amount as the extended warranty. In other words, you probably never need it. Mm-hmm. Now, if you really feel like you do need to play it safe and you want to get that extra coverage before you buy it, before you even go to the store, check your credit card company because a lot of credit cards, you know, maybe you've got a gold or a platinum card, they can typically lengthen the original manufacturer's warranty by as much as one year. So ask your credit card company first if they've got that feature. And then also shop around because extended warranties vary in length and in term and don't pay more than 20% of the purchase price for 
for the extended warranty. And don't be afraid to negotiate. I mean, I feel like when these folks are offering you the extended warranty, they've got a couple of, you know, ways to be lenient and, you know, sort of bend the rules a little bit with pricing. Now, we have a detailed step-by-step and everything that you need to know about this topic online at moneypit.com. The article is called Service Contracts and Extended Warranty. Search that at moneypit.com before you head out to buy your next warranty-prone product. 888-666-3974. Leslie, who's next? Nate in Wisconsin has a flooring question. How can we help you? Hi there. Um, I have a uh, hardwood floor throughout our bedrooms in our house uh, and have some squeaking issues, especially with uh, the floor in my infant son's room. It actually squeaks loud enough that it'll wake him up if we walk into the room when he's sleeping. Oh, boy. I'm wondering what I can do to fix that. Mm-hmm. All right, so this is a finished hardwood floor? That's correct. Okay, so you have to identify where the loose floorboards are because that's what causes the squeak, and there's two ways that you can fix this. Um, you can you have to resecure those boards down. You can do that with finish nails, or you can do it with a screw, but you have to pre-drill the area and create a, a, a counterbore for a wood plug. And there's drill bits that are available that basically do all this in one step, and there's wood plugs that are available. What I would do first is I would get a stud finder, and I would scan across the hardwood floor to make sure I know that I'm on top of the floor joist. And then you could start by trying this by using finish nails. I would use like a number 12 finish nail. I would pilot uh, drill out a hole because you can't just nail right through the hardwood. The nail's going to bend. So you want to pilot drill a hole that's slightly narrower than the finish nail. And then you want to drive that in a slight angle because that tends to hold better. And then if you do that in a couple of places, and you'll notice the floor starts to quiet a bit, now you know you're on the right track. Once you're convinced you're on the right track, then what I would do is I would drill out the floor. I would add a couple of long screws to hold it down nice and tight. You may only have to do this every other board. Then you could glue in a wood plug. You could buy oak plugs that, say, are a half inch or three-eighths an inch in diameter. You grab a chisel and carve it flat, sand it a little bit. Touch it up with a dab of polyurethane. It'll look somewhat obvious when you first do it, but give it a few months, the color will fade, and it'll all blend in nicely together. Okay. There's no option for doing anything from underneath, like putting a weight from above and running screws from below? Uh, what's under the floor? I, I have bare joists below. We're in the lower of a duplex. So. Well, if you have bare joists below and somebody could walk on the floor and you happen to see that there's spaces between the subfloor and the floor mm-hmm. joist, Mm-hmm. Then perhaps, but typically okay. the floor squeaks are caused by the nails moving in and out of that hardwood floor or moving in and out of the subfloor. And nothing short of stabilizing that is going to stop that squeak from happening. And that's easiest, it's easiest to do that from the top. I've fixed a lot of floor squeaks over the years, and believe me, it's easier to do it from the top than the bottom. Okay. And when right? you have more sleep, you'll be far happier. I exactly. <laughs> you, and, you and your baby son. All right. Thank you. You're welcome, Nate. Thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. See, it's quieter in Wisconsin already. Fiona in New York, you've got the money pit. What can we do for you today? Yes, hi. Um, I purchased a house about 12 years ago, and about two and a half, three years ago, I noticed um, every spring, and when this started, I didn't think it was a big deal. I started having what I later found out to be drain flies. Now, I've spent hundreds of dollars on products via the Internet. I've had every exterminator you could possibly imagine in here. I had an, um, a sewer guy come in and put a video cam into the piping, trying <laughs> oh, to get, because they actually can see them. Right. And trying to figure it out. Now, my problem is, I've also been told, if there is a leak, 
which the guy with the video cam did not see. Okay. Because that's what they check for. Um, they said that I would have to tear up, tear up the floors. Now, I've redone this house from top to bottom over the past 12 years. I and you're like, this is all it. stuff I would have mm-hmm. liked to know. There's a website that we've, that we've recommended before that we've got good success with. It's called Do-It-Yourself Pest Control. And that they have a product called uh, Invade Biofoam, and it's used a lot in commercial uh, establishments. It's it's a it's a concentrated, you know, liquid with a foaming agent that helps it get in all the places it has to has to go. Because what what's happening is there, you have organic debris, and the flies are breeding in it and feeding on it, and you need to get rid of that debris that sits in your pipes. And if you can get rid of that debris that's their food source and their breeding source, then they'll go away. You know, there's another good website that you might want to uh, take a look at, and it's uh, the National Pest Management Association has a website called pestworld.org. And on Pest World, you can actually uh, contact one of their association experts and, uh, and get a response. It's a good group. They have an Ask the Pro uh, section of it. Okay. I'm going to try all of this. I'm desperate at this point. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, good good luck, luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show online. Lots of tips and advice on how you can cut your energy cost and feel warm and comfortable this winter season. Just head on over to moneypit.com. Speaking of feeling warm, up next we're going to have some tips to help you learn how to insulate your attic. You know, most homes in America just don't have enough. Adding more is a pretty simple project. We'll tell you how to do just that after this. You live in a Money Pit. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And on moneypit.com, you'll find lots of tips and advice on how to add insulation to your attic. Now, if you don't have 19 inches of bad insulation or 22 inches of blown-in insulation, you don't have enough. That means you're spending too much on your heating bill. Adding that insulation is not terribly complicated. It's pretty simple. We even give you some tips on how you can do that and have some storage at the same time. And that information is online right now at moneypit.com. Just search insulation and you will find it promptly. All right. And while you're online, you can click on the Ask Tom and Leslie icon and email us your question, just like Roger did. Now, Roger writes, I have metal recessed fluorescent lighting with four three-foot bulbs inside. I can't locate anywhere on this fixture whether or not it's okay to insulate over them up in the attic. Any suggestions? How can I be sure it's safe? Yeah, that's a very good question. And the only way you can be sure it's safe is by not insulating over them at all. Now, mm-hmm. there there's are not types... the same rating that you would see on a hi-hat where it says like, I see, is it for I insulation see, contact? Yeah. That's right. Um, typically, a light fixture that's rated to be covered by insulation has an IC stamp on it. If you don't see it, I would not insulate over it. What I would do is I would box out the area around the outside of that and I would put insulation up to it, but I would not put it over it. I mean, fluorescent lights by themselves, with all the ballast and everything that goes into those fixtures, they get very hot. Mm-hmm. I would not take a chance on overheating them. The least you're going to do is shorten the life of the fixture. The worst you could do is start a fire. So don't insulate on top of it. Insulate around it and play it safe. 
Okie dokes. Next up, we've got one from Mary who writes, I was wondering if you know any company that will make metal outside doors in a small size. I have a small outside door that is wood and has been refinished many times, but it's not repairable anymore. Now, the door measures 24 inches wide by 81 inches high. I can't put a bigger door in this place without removing and remolding the whole front of the garage. My home is an older home, and this little door is part of its style. Hmm. You know, I do think that you could order a door that's that specific size. Um, did she say she wanted a metal door? She does want a metal door. Yeah. I don't, what about sure. fiberglass? Well, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that you could order a fiberglass door in that size. And, you know, even if it comes a little bit bigger and you use a solid door, you know, one without a lot of molding, you'd always cut it down to make it that size. So mm-hmm. I would simply order a 24-inch wide solid door and I would cut it to be a little shorter than what it typically has to be. Now, you're going to have to sort of disassemble the, the sill and the saddle and then reassemble it, but I don't see why a good skilled carpenter couldn't do that. So I would definitely go fiberglass. I would start with a standard size door and I would cut it down. That's going to be cheaper than you trying to find one that's custom made for this particular unusual, unusual situation. Mm-hmm. And I know she likes it, so do some research and think about the fiberglass door because they last for ever. All right, now we've got one here from Josh in Michigan who writes, I've been having some problems with what looks like drips on the wall in my bathroom. These drips are sometimes a yellowish color and more noticeable after the shower. Oh, it's condensation. Condensation (laughs) uh, and a lot of uh, soap scum and mineral deposits that get up into the air and condense on those walls. And sure, you got a ventilation problem here. You need to make sure that you add a bath fan that runs not only during the shower, but for about 10 minutes after you're done, that will vent that space, get it nice and dry. Mm -hmm. And you know what, Josh, I hate to admit it, but we had the same problem in our home before we installed the bath vent. So do it and make sure they vent it outside and not into your attic. It really does make a gigantic difference. You're going to feel so much cooler in that bath after your showers, and you're also going to see the paint last a lot longer. So good luck. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Thank you so much for spending this hour with us. Hey, you can stay in touch all week long with us on our Facebook page. If you're not a fan, well, you can do just that by typing Fan the Money Pit from your cell phone. You send that to F Book, that's F B double O K, and you can stay in touch with us all week long. We're always putting out lots of tips and advice and answering people's questions on the fan page at Facebook. I'm Tom Breitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself, but you don't have to do it alone.